0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, James Collins and Larry Stam shed some light into the gleanings gifts we're offering this week, and Dr. Sparjamino welcomes Dr. Jack Wheaton, who'll share some of the hidden history of our most beloved Christian hymns. Up first, here's the host of the new television program Jewish Roots of Christianity, Larry Stamm and James Collins, to discuss the Jewish influence of on this week's Gleanings Gifts.
1: I'm excited to have my friend Larry Stamm back with me on The Watchman on the Wall. Larry is a Jew for Jesus. Now he has a passion to share Christ and to tell the world that Christianity is Jewish. Larry's brand new book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, has been a top seller here at our ministry and he has a brand new companion DVD that is also doing very, very well. Welcome Larry, thanks for being on the program with me today
2: great to be with you again.
1: As you know, this is Gleaning Week, and I wanted to have you come on with me to get a Jewish perspective on the principle of gleaning. What is gleaning, and where is it found in the Bible?
2: James, the Hebrew word for glean is the word lakhat, and it literally means to collect, gather up, or pick up. Now, gleaning is the gathering of grain or other harvested material left behind by reapers. In the Bible, we learned that the Israelites were commanded to allow the poor to follow behind reapers and pick up leftover spears of grain and fallen grapes. In this way, the law of Moses provided food for the poor, for orphans, for widows, and for resident aliens. The law specifically specified that landowners must leave some of the harvest for gleaners. And we learned this from... The Torah, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, where the Word of God says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not only reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard you shall leave them for the poor and the stranger i am the lord your god so this was a picture of god's grace and compassion and mercy that we find in the word of god in the torah specifically
1: now larry the principle of gleaning played an important role in one of my favorite books in the old testament the book of ruth tell me about that
2: gleaning is Very important in the story of Ruth, the Moabite widowed daughter-in-law of the widow Naomi in Bethlehem. Now, to stave off complete poverty, Ruth gleaned grain in the fields of Boaz. And we learn this from Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, where the Word of God says, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi said to her, Go, my daughter. So that's where we learned that. Now, the landowner Boaz was so moved by Ruth's concern for her elderly and grieving mother-in-law that he instructed his harvesters to go farther than what the law actually required her to do. And this is a powerful illustration, James, of God's grace, and we learn this Later on in Ruth, chapter 2, where the Word of God says in Ruth 2, verses 15 and 16, And when she, Ruth, rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Once again, a powerful illustration of God's grace.
1: So the principle is look around at all the ways God has blessed you and provided for you and be aware of the extra things that God has allowed you to accumulate and then if you're able we're asking you today to give a gleaning offering to Southwest Radio Ministries. Would you prayerfully ask the Lord what he would have you give and then give it? Larry, we're offering three unique gleaning gifts. First, if a person gives a gleaning offering of $275 or more, they will receive the illuminated Torah. Now, for us Gentiles, would you explain what is the Torah?
2: Torah is actually a Hebrew word, which means to instruct. James, it refers to the first five books of Moses, or the five books of Moses better known to us christians as the first five books of the old testament genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy so there is the torah for you
1: this edition of the complete torah the first five books of the bible is a beautifully imported book from holy land gifts it will be a treasured gift that you will be blessed by for many years to come and if you give a gleaning gift of a hundred dollars you'll get god's promises for you box And Larry, I want to ask you about our last gleaning gift. It's a mezuzah. Now, again, for us Gentiles, would you explain what is a mezuzah?
2: The Hebrew word mezuzah actually means doorpost. The mezuzah itself consists of a small scroll on which are written two biblical passages from the book of Deuteronomy, namely Deuteronomy chapter 6, several verses from there, and verses also from Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now, the scroll is inserted into a wood, plastic, or metal casing that's often quite beautiful and artistic in design, and according to tradition and also to the Word of God, the mezuzah is to be affixed to the doorpost at the entrance to a Jewish home. And this custom of affixing a mezuzah to the doorpost fulfills the biblical commandment found in deuteronomy chapter six verse nine james where the word says you shall write them upon the doorposts of thy house and upon thy gates now the mezuzah distinguishes a jewish home and is a visible sign and symbol to all those who enter that domicile that a sense of jewish identity and commitment exists in the household. and i do want to read deuteronomy six verses four through nine this very very important section in the torah actually Growing up, I would memorize this in Hebrew and in English. I just want to read it for the audience because it's very important, and it will illuminate the idea of the mezuzah and hiding the Word in the heart and meditating on the Word and having the Word central in our lives. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates the deuteronomy 11 passage verses 13 through 21 basically states james that if you obey love and serve god it will be well with you and you'll be blessed
1: well larry thanks for taking the time to talk with me today i appreciate you helping me better understand the principle of gleaning
2: you're very very welcome and god's richest blessings be upon you southwest radio ministries and your audience
0: Our year-end giving is so crucial. With your help, we can finish this year strong and start 2022 with the funds to produce new resources, hold in-person and online conferences, and launch brand new ways to proclaim that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Please give today. Call 1-800-652-1144 or you can support us online, swrc.com. Our hosts, Larry Spargimino, and Dr. Jack Wheaton come now to look at the history of some of our most cherished hymns.
3: The first favorite hymn that we're going to look at today is Amazing Grace, and of course, the author is John Newton. Newton lived from 1725 to 1807. It's very interesting, I think, that the melody for this hymn supposedly came from the sorrowful singing of the captives aboard slave ships bound for the new world, the Americas. John Newton was haunted by the melody and his wretched past as a slave ship captain pours out of his heart in repentance and creates the most popular praise song ever written. Every one of us is certainly familiar with the amazing hymn. It's just lodged in our hearts the heartfelt realization of the contrast between man's sinful nature and God's grace is captured in this work as in no other.
4: Yes, this particular hymn is probably the most popular hymn or praise song today. It's interesting that PBS Public Broadcasting System, which is not noted for its support of Christian music or ideals, uh, did an hour documentary with Bill Moyers on this one particular hymn. They went into the background, the history of it, they showed it performed by various different artists, and it's an excellent documentary. I find this still to be a very haunting, very moving piece of music, and I've enjoyed
3: having the opportunity to record it on this most recent CD. We're going to give you an example. It is Amazing Grace, as played by Dr. Jack Wheaton. What a blessing that was. We appreciate Dr. Wheaton sharing that with us. Now, we've got another favorite hymn, and it certainly is my favorite, one of my favorites at least, "The Mighty Fortress is Our God, Martin Luther, who lived from 1483 to 1546, is the author and the composer. You know, if biblical Christianity ever had a national anthem, I think this would be it. The text is a short course in spiritual warfare, and my, there's a great need for that today, isn't there? The power and the might and majesty of God is revealed in this hymn like no other. The invisible war between the forces of good and evil are revealed in this most inspiring work.
4: I still think of Martin Luther standing before the representatives of the pope and the representatives of the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire and being told he had twenty-four hours to recant his position on the supremacy of scripture over other doctrine during that twenty-four hours supposedly while he was in a castle in wittenberg germany he wrote the lyrics to this most powerful of protestant hymns i find the melody also to be incredibly stirring and i had a great sense of pleasure in being able to record this most powerful, I believe, of all Christian hymns.
3: Here's another one that, without question, I think is a great favorite of many Christians today and in past years, and it is entitled, How Great Thou Art. The English words are by Stuart Hine, who lived from 1899 to 1990. He had introduced a lot of the Billy Graham crusades by singer George Beverly Shea. This inspirational hymn is second, perhaps, only to amazing grace in popularity at the present time. The original Swedish text was a poem entitled "O Store Good," written by a Swedish pastor. The, his name, the Reverend Carl Boberg. Uh, it was written in 1886. He was caught in a sudden summer thunder shower, and the pastor was awed by the mighty power and grace of God revealed in nature by this experience.:
4: For some reason, this hymn touches the hearts of people in a way probably second only to amazing grace and a mighty fortress it has a gorgeous sweeping melody that supports this wonderful lyric and again it was a pleasure to be able to record this on this new cd
3: You know, Dr. Wheaton, as I listen to these great hymns of the faith, these favorite hymns, I'm really amazed, and my heart is filled with love and devotion to our lovely Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because these words are words that magnify the Lord and His power and His goodness. And I can understand why the church has done so well in the past with such great music, and maybe why the church is a little bit feeble today, because we in many churches don't have this kind of great music, and I know our listeners are being richly blessed. Another one that we want to share with you and say a few words about is, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, Dr. Wheaton, when I was a pastor, Sunday evenings we'd have our favorites, and quite often this was a favorite that came up. This is a haunting, a simple melody that emphasizes the commitment of this unknown Indian to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Many believers from foreign lands risk rejection by their families and their society for accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, this song reminds us of this and tells us not to look back, but to keep our eyes on the finish line and on our great Lord Jesus Christ.
4: Well, you know, the thing about so many of these hymns is the fact that they were not promoted by a press agent or some powerful record company. And they have been kept alive by word of mouth and by the very spiritual enhancement that they have. So many of us have not paid a price when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We forget that in many cultures there is a very, very severe price that is paid. But it certainly is nothing compared to that pearl of great price that a person receives when they come to know the Lord. I find this song to be somewhat similar to some of the haunting folk music that's come out of the hills of West Virginia and the Appalachian regions. It has that same kind of flavor to it, and so when I arranged this for piano, I tried to capture that kind of feeling with this haunting melody of I have decided to follow Jesus.
3: next favorite hymn is entitled Joyful Joyful We Adore Thee. The author is Henry Van Dyke who lived from 1852 to 1933. That's the author of the text. The music is by one of the great composers of all times, Ludwig van Beethoven. and He lived from 1770 to 1827. As a matter of fact, when you listen to this wonderful hymn, If you're able to get to a Bible, turn to Galatians 5, verse 22, because I think this wonderful hymn is such a wonderful presentation of that Bible verse. Now, the finale to the Ninth Symphony by Beethoven has to be one of the most inspirational pieces of music ever composed. The new lyrics by Van Dyke raise this rousing melody to a new height of excitement and anticipation in the second coming of our Lord. And, of course, that's one of the things that's very important with us at Southwest Radio Church and ought to be very important with every Christian. We know that there are more than 300 references in the New Testament alone to the second coming of our lovely Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I think this hymn celebrates that joy like no other hymn.
4: The Beethoven Ninth Symphony, which celebrates the conquering of adversity through commitment to the Lord in a more powerful manner than practically anything ever been written. If you haven't heard the Beethoven Ninth Symphony, I strongly urge you to get a recording and listen to it, and you'll find that the finale of the symphony is based on this melody.
0: please be part of our year-end gleanings campaign. You can support Watchmen on the Wall by visiting our website, swrc.com. You can also give by calling toll-free 1-800-652-1144. Or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73147. Thank you, my friends. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit SWRC.com.